Section 28 of the History of Chemistry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Karen Turton. The History of Chemistry by Thomas Thompson. Volume 1, Chapter 8 of the Attempts to Establish a Theory in Chemistry, Part 3. I have reason to believe that the laborious part of this translation and compilation was made by Mr. Chicholm, whom Dr. Lewis employed as his assistant. Dr. Chicholm, when a young man, went to London from Aberdeen, where he had studied at the university and acquired a competent knowledge of Greek and Latin, but no means of supporting himself. On his arrival in London, one of the first things that struck his attention was a Greek book, placed open against the pane of a bookseller's window. Chicholm went up to the window, at which he continued standing, till he had perused the whole Greek page thus exposed to his view. Dr. Lewis happened to be in the shop. He had been looking out for a young man whom he could employ to take charge of his laboratory, and manage his processes, and who should possess sufficient intelligence to read chemical works for him, and collect out of each whatever deserved to be known, either from its novelty or ingenuity. The appearance and manners of Chicholm struck him and made him think of him as a man likely to answer the purposes which he had in view. He called him into the shop, and after some conversation with him, took him home and kept him all his life as his assistant and operator. Chicholm was a laborious and painstaking man, and by continually working in Lewis's laboratory, soon acquired a competent knowledge of chemistry. He compiled several manuscript volumes, partly consisting of his own experiments, and partly of collections from other authors. At Dr. Lewis's death, all his books were sold by auction, and these manuscript volumes among the rest. They were purchased by Mr. Wedgwood, senior, who at the same time took Mr. Chicholm into his service, and gave him the charge of his own laboratory. It was Mr. Chicholm that was the constructor of the well-known piece of apparatus, known by the name of Wedgwood's pyrometer. After his death, the instrument continued still to be constructed for some time. But so many complaints were made of the unequal contraction of the pieces that Mr. Wedgwood, Jr., who had succeeded to the pottery in consequence of the death of his father, put an end to the manufacture of them altogether. John Henry Pott was born at Halberstadt in the year 1692. He was a scholar of Hoffman and Stahl, and from this last he seems to have imbibed his taste for chemistry. He settled at Berlin, where he became assessor of the Royal College of Medicine and Surgery, inspector of medicines, superintendent of the Royal Laboratory, and Dean of the Academy of Sciences of Berlin. He was chosen Professor of Theoretical Chemistry at Berlin, and on the death of Newman, in 1737, he succeeded him as Professor of Practical Chemistry. He was beyond question the most learned and laborious chemist of his day. His erudition, indeed, was very great, and his historical introductions to his dissertation displays the extent of his reading on every subject of which he had occasion to treat. It has often struck me that the historical introductions which Bergman has prefixed to his papers are several of them borrowed from Pott. The Lithogeognosia of Pott is one of the most extraordinary productions of the age in which he lived. It was the result of a request of the King of Prussia to discover the ingredients of which Saxon porcelain was made. Mr. Pott, not being able to procure any satisfactory information relative to the nature of the substances employed at Dresden, resolved to undertake a chemical examination of all the substances 
that were likely to be employed in such a manufacture he tried the effect of fire upon all the stones earth and minerals that he could procure both separately and mixed together in various proportions he made at least thirty thousand experiments in six years and laid the foundation for a chemical knowledge of these bodies it is to this work of part that we are indebted for our knowledge of the effects of heat upon various earthy bodies and upon mixtures of them thus he found that pure white clay or mixtures of pure clay and quartz sand would not fuse at any temperature which he could produce but clay mixed with lime or with oxide of iron enters speedily into fusion clay also fuses with its own weight of borax it forms a compact mass with half its weight and does not concrete into a hard body when mixed with a third of its weight of that salt clay fuses easily with fluor spar it fuses also with twice its weight with protoxide of lead and with its own weight of sulphate of lime but with no other proportion tried it was a knowledge of these mutual actions of bodies on each other when exposed to heat that gradually led to the methods of examining minerals by the blowpipe these methods were brought to the present state of perfection by assessor garn of Fahlun, the result of whose labours has been published by berzelius in his treatise on the blowpipe pot died in seventeen seventy seven in the eighty-fifth year of his age his different chemical works his lithogeognosia excepted were collected and translated into french by m de marchy in the year seventeen fifty nine and published in four small octavo volumes the chemical papers contained in these volumes are thirty-two in number some of these papers cannot but appear somewhat extraordinary to a modern chemist for example m duhamel had published in the memoirs of the french academy in the year seventeen thirty seven a set of experiments on common salt from which he deduced that its basis was a fixed alkali which possessed properties different from those of potash and which of course required to be distinguished by a peculiar name it is sufficiently known that the term soda was afterwards applied to this alkali by which name it is known at present pot in a very elaborate and long dissertation on the base of common salt endeavours to refute these opinions of duhamel the subject was afterwards taken up by margraf who demonstrated by decisive experiments that the base of common salt is soda and that soda differs essentially in its properties from potash pot's dissertation on bismuth is of considerable value he collects in it the statements and opinions of all preceding writers on this metal and describes its properties with considerable accuracy and minuteness the same observations apply to his dissertation on zinc john theodore eller of brockuser was born on the twenty ninth of november sixteen eighty nine at Pletzkau, in the principality of Anhalt, Bernberg. He was the fourth son of Jobst Hermann Eller, a man of respectable family, whose ancestors were proprietors of considerable estates in Westphalia and the Netherlands. Young Eller received the rudiments of his education in his father's house, from which he went to the University of Quedlingburg, and from thence to the University of Jena, in 1709. He was sent thither to study law, but his passion was for natural philosophy, which led him to devote himself to the study of medicine. From Jena he went to Hell, and finally to Leyden, attracted by the reputation of the older Albinus, of Professor Sengard, and the celebrated Boerhaave, at that time in the height of his reputation. The only practical anatomist then in Leyden was M. Bidlou, an old man of eighty, and of course unfit for teaching. This induced Eller to repair to Amsterdam to study under Rao, and to inspect the anatomical museum of Reich. Bidlou soon dying, Rao was appointed his successor at Leyden, whither Eller followed him and dissected under him till the year 1716. 
After taking his degree at Leyden, Eller returned to Germany and devoted a considerable time to the study and examination of the mines of Saxony and the Hartz, and the metallurgic processes connected with these mines. From these mines he repaired to France and resumed his anatomical studies under Duverney and Winslow. Chemistry also attracted a good deal of his attention, and he frequented the laboratories of Gross, Lemery, Bolduc, and Homburg, at that time the most eminent chemists in Paris. From Paris he repaired to London, where he formed an acquaintance with the numerous medical men of eminence who at that time adorned this capital. On returning to Germany in 1721, he was appointed physician to Prince Victor Frederick of Anhalt-Bernberg. From Bernberg he went to Magdeburg, and the King of Prussia called him to Berlin in 1724 to teach anatomy in the great anatomic theatre which had been just erected. Soon after, he was appointed physician to the King, a counsellor and professor in the Royal Medico-Churchigal College, which had been just founded in Berlin. He was also appointed Dean of the Superior College of Medicine and physician to the army and to the great hospital of Frederick. In the year 1755, Frederick the Great made him a privy councillor, which is the highest rank that a medical man can attain in Prussia. The same year, he was made director of the Royal Academy of Sciences of Berlin. He died in the year 1760, in the 71st year of his age. He was twice married, and his second wife survived him. Many chemical papers of Ella are to be found in the memoirs of the Berlin Academy. They were of sufficient importance at the time when he published them to add considerably to his reputation, though not sufficiently so to induce me to give a catalogue of them here. I am not aware of any chemical discovery for which we are indebted to him, but have been induced to give this brief notice of him, because he is usually associated with Pott and Margraf, making with him the three celebrated chemists who adorned Berlin during the splendid reign of Frederick the Great. Andrew Sigismund Margraf was born in Berlin in the year 1709, and acquired the first principles of chemistry from his father, who was an apothecary in that city. He afterwards studied under Newman, and, travelling in quest of information to Frankfurt, Strasbourg, Hull, and Freiburg, he returned to Berlin enriched with all the knowledge of his favourite science which at that time existed. In 1760, on the death of Eller, he was made director of the physical class of the Berlin Academy of Sciences. He died in the year 1782, in the 73rd year of his age. He gradually acquired a brilliant reputation in consequence of the numerous chemical papers which he successfully published, each of which usually contained a new chemical fact of more or less importance, deduced from a set of experiments generally satisfactory and convincing. His papers have a greater resemblance to those of Scheele than of any other chemist to whom we can compare them. He may be considered as, in some measure, the beginner of chemical analysis before his time the chemical analysis of bodies had hardly been attempted. His methods, as might have been expected, were not very perfect, nor did he attempt numerical results. His experiments on phosphorus and on the method of extracting it from urine are valuable. They communicated the first accurate notions relative to this substance and to phosphoric acid. He first determined the properties of the earth of alum, now known by the name of alumina, showed that it differed from every other and that it existed in clay and gave to that substance its peculiar properties. He demonstrated the peculiar nature of soda, the base of common salt, which Pott had called in question, and thus verified the conclusions of Duhamel. He gives an easy process for obtaining pure silver from the chloride of that metal. His method is to dissolve the pure chloride of silver in a solution of caustic ammonia, and to put into the liquid a sufficient quantity of pure mercury. The silver is speedily reduced and converted into an amalgam, 
and when this amalgam is exposed to a red heat, the mercury is driven off and pure silver remains. The usual method of reducing the chloride of silver is to heat it in a crucible with a sufficient quantity of carbonate of potash, a process which was first recommended by Kunkel. Yet it is scarcely possible to prevent the loss of a portion of the silver when the chloride is reduced in this way. The modern process is undoubtedly the simplest and the best, to reduce it by means of hydrogen. If a few pieces of zinc be put into the bottom of a beer glass, and some dilute sulfuric acid be poured over it, an effervescence takes place and hydrogen gas is disengaged. Chloride of silver, placed above the zinc in the same glass, is speedily reduced by this hydrogen and converted into a metallic silver. Margraff's chemical papers, down to the time of publication, were collected together, translated into French, and published at Paris in the year 1762. In two very small octavo volumes, they consist of twenty-six different papers, some of the most curious and important of which are those that have been just particularized. Several other papers written by him appeared in the memoirs of the Berlin Academy. After this collection of his works was published, particularly demonstration of the possibility of drawing fixed alkaline salts from tartar by means of acids without employing the action of a violent fire. It was this paper, probably, that led Scheele, a few years after, to his well-known method of obtaining tartaric acid, a modification of which is still followed by manufacturers. Observations concerning a remarkable volatilization of a portion of a kind of stone known by the names of Floss, Flus, Fluospar, and likewise by that of Hesperos, which volatilization was effectuated by means of acids. Pot had hardly shown the value of Fluospar as a flux. Three years after the appearance of Margraff's paper, Scheele discovered the nature of fluorspar and first drew the attention of chemists to the peculiar properties of fluoric acid. In France, in consequence chiefly of the regulations established in the Academy of Sciences in the year 1699, a race of chemists always existed whose specific object was to cultivate chemistry and extend and improve it. The most eminent of these chemical labourers, after the Stalian theory was fully admitted in France, till its credit began to be shaken, were Remus, Hellet, Duhamel, Rouel, and Macaer. Besides these, who were the chief chemists in the academy, there were a few others to whom we are indebted for chemical discoveries that deserve to be recorded. End of section 28